0: Welcome to the Panoramic Outdoors Podcast, connecting you to all things outdoors.
1: Thank you for joining episode 160 from Panoramic Outdoors. This is Sheldon Grant. Today's episode is brought to us by iHunter. You've been probably listening to the last few podcast episodes and realizing we're using it a lot hunting. So stay tuned to this episode. We might dig into more about both the iHunter app. Uh, today's intro and outro, it's myself and of course my good friend, Brennan. Are you still out in BC are you back yet?
0: Still out in BC. Are you a coming longer? home anytime or <laughs> y- yes uh just yes don't okay. know when i kind of like every time i get a date or a or an inkling to come home it just changes so we're just here till she's done money in venture i guess anymore yeah
1: <laughs> those are the best those are the best jobs like yeah if, you know you can go home on september 10th and then they call you in on like the 8th and be like oh by the way can you just mm-hmm. help me out and stay till the 20th and then you know what I mean, and it goes on yep. and on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, some some uh, interesting news though is that you got your new Badlands gear.
0: Yes. Yeah. What, what did you end up ordering? The Rise.
1: And why'd you pick the Rise? Was there any
0: particular um, reason? Uh, lightweight. I was I was in need of something a little more lightweight. I have a, a pretty good late fall kit. And some early winter kit and I was just looking for something that I could throw on in the hot September temperatures that we seem to get uh, during the archery season and didn't feel like sweating like a beast in the tree and they had some really nice light stuff and uh, unfortunately I haven't been able (laughs) to use it yet, but I have, I I have seen the gear and it's, it's nice stuff. It's gonna, it's gonna do me well.
1: That's one thing that I always struggle with in archery season, like, uh, of August, September, right into October, is that it's hard to, like, choose the proper outerwear because, like, in Manitoba here, like, it could be 30 degrees and then it could be, like, 5 degrees by the time it gets dark mm-hmm. in these months, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you sweat your ass off walking to the stands. Well, especially, like, people that aren't, uh, you know, doing the fitness thing, like, our upcoming <laughs> guests. But you know yeah. what I mean? Sweating your yeah. ass off going to the stand and then all of a sudden you're freezing when you're up there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, coming back in the dark, nice and cold, no good,
1: no so, good. Who do we got coming up here, Brennan?
0: We got Tana Grenda from Alaska, uh, sports, nutrition, and hunting—all things hunting. We uh, mentor, we had a life coach men, mentor. Yeah, like just one of the strongest-willed people I think we've we've had on the podcast yeah, uh, to date. You know, posts. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. But, uh, no, she was an absolute pleasure to talk to. She gave us some pretty good insights on, uh, you know, like what it is to be fit in the woods. And, uh, you know, of course we talked a lot about moose. I know you guys bro down pretty good on the moose talk. I'm not much yeah. of a moose hunter. So for you guys to get that conversation, that was, it was pretty good. Excellent. Yeah, it
1: was, it was awesome. She's great. And I, I hope everyone enjoys the episode. Um, before we get there though. So when you do get home, do you do muzzleloader hunting or no?
0: I do. So actually... My my very first deer I shot was with a muzzle loader. That was how dad got me into deer hunting when I was oh, nice. 12, 12 years old. Yeah. First deer tag. Back when the deer tags for a for a miner under 16 were 10 bucks. I remember. And that was oh, really? pumped because my deer only cost 10 bucks. Yeah. yeah. And so uh yeah, he had this old Thompson center 54 cal, still got it at the house. Nice. Um, you know, like pouring your own powder out of this old ass flask that he had. And, uh, you know, he was, he was adamant about shooting spheres. So it wasn't any sort of like points or anything. It was just a ball crammed down in there, oh, yeah. hammer back and percussion cap. Like, yeah, I, I really do like the muzzleloader, uh, yeah. muzzleloader hunting.
1: There's lots of like, um, the, I can't, even, I don't even know the word cause it's probably too big and uh, not in my vocabulary, but there's like so much tradition behind muzzleloader hunting. Mm-hmm. And I know even for myself getting into hunting, my dad did the same thing. He wouldn't let me rifle hunt for years, mm-hmm. and he's like, "You got to learn how to shoot one shot. Make sure you have your shot. Blah blah blah," and um, and then got into arch hunting, and then yeah, like I didn't start rifle hunting till I was at least eighteen or nineteen, I think, mm-hmm. because um, and then not only that, but I was like in hockey and other things, but um, yeah, I learned on the muzzle loader as well. So it's exciting because in Manitoba here it starts on the sixteenth, I believe,
0: of October. I think it's yeah, oh, I think it's
1: thirteenth. No, sixteenth.
0: Is it that early? I thought it was kind of like the third week of third week of uh October ish. I still think
1: thought. it's not 16th. So Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Let's just go out with a muzzle loader. Yeah. Don't don't do that just kidding. <laughs> don't do that. But um but
1: yeah, like the thing the, the reason why I was saying that is because I know like a lot of um a lot of people in Manitoba are having troubles finding certain things especially when it comes to ammo. I don't know about the muzzle order muzzle game, but I do know that if you are looking for something in particular go check our friends out at Harvester Outdoors in Selkirk. Um, he, I've just talked to him on the phone not long ago, actually, about some other things that we were looking for when it comes to ice fishing. And um, one of the things he did mention is, like, if there's anything you're looking for or whatever, he's like, give us a call at the store. We can see if we can find it for you. If it's a special order or whatever, last minute, just try them out. And, I mean, I think right there that customer service level is through the roof where I know if I went to Cabela's and asked somebody or another big box store, they, they, they might have it for sure but i don't know if they could answer like when are you going to get more stuff in i don't know if mm-hmm. they'd ever be able to answer that right so or can you order me something i don't think you can even do that maybe unless it's online or whatever but yeah check out uh, harvester outdoors and selkirk you can check them out on their website too they've got a, a really cool uh, website with a lot of their product on there for sure um what else what else can we talk about
0: i hmm. hunter I've been really looking at this app every day. I kind of just load it up. I, I sit a lot for. Well, her, that's so thing you can I'm do in NBC. Yeah, I'm sitting there looking at the waypoints. I just love being able to see top down of uh, of everything, and uh, being able to message April on there. You know, having to, or anybody else that that has my ID You can send your your name, your information to right through the app. That's pretty pretty handy, pretty yeah. good for any sort of a uh, journey management. You know, I go through some trails here that I'm not familiar with um and you know just on the off chance send out your location mm-hmm. somebody will uh somebody will help you out
1: yeah i'm just gonna pull it up here because there's one feature that i was actually very impressed with that i didn't know that you could do but i'm just gonna pull it up here and kind of explain it to you while i do it and i know this might <laughs> be like the worst audio ever but anyways chance was showing me because so when where he shot his um elk this year he he put a a waypoint and you can actually i don't know if you knew this but you can actually draw to your next like say draw a line to your next waypoint and that you Mm -hmm. have maybe saved and it'll show you the exact distance like as a crow flies Mm -hmm. so i don't i don't know if you did that but anyway so if i clicked on a waypoint here and then i believe the bottom left icon which is um it's two little squares and then you can just click drawing or see if you have a previous drawing or you can uh you click your drawing and then you uh can draw from waypoint to waypoint and we found it very interesting because of we found a bedding area where there was some cow elk and then we from where he, kind of where he sh- he shot his elk and then from where that elk went to basically go and dispatch or wh- where he went to die was like mm-hmm. back to the bedding area and we kind of like seen the waypoints and we we're like doing distances and like it was it was pretty cool when you can all break it down and like find out where where people are going but yeah i hunter Love it. Yeah. What what have you mm-hmm. been doing on it? Anything crazy?
0: Uh no, mostly well, what I can do out here. It's it's like I said, just more about the journey management. Here's my location. If yeah. uh if you don't hear from me, that's uh that's really all I can do. Aside from, you know, like I said, the top-down stuff. I I love just being up in the deer's business and finding out where they're where they're bedding or where I think they're bedding. And you know, yeah. April's got that nailed down pretty good. She's the she's the stalker of our sort of little area there <laughs> she's the bane of all the deer in the area yeah but, uh yeah something about doing it yourself too
1: yeah the other thing that i kind of liked about it and i mean i've mentioned it before is sharing waypoints but my dad's very um he's not like very technically inclined neither am i really like i technology i'm like always asking people to help me figure out stuff um but the you know with with cameras i went and set up a few cameras on the weekend uh, my dad was out harvesting so now i just shared those camera spots with them, so he can go check for me while i'm gone you know what i mean so that's really handy instead of trying to explain them, i'm like you know go go past that uh you know broken or that dead oak tree and go 30 yards you know what i mean like you can six fence
0: at. posts in yeah. yeah
1: yeah. right on right on I hear um, you. yeah well what have you I been doing?
0: how's been well, how's work been going
1: that's going i i'm going on a project i leave tomorrow i won't be back till the 10th of october i think All so right. i'm going up north um which is annoying because normally when you go up north at this time um you're going up there to moose hunt right Mm, it's uh -hmm. right in the middle of moose hunting season but i got a lot of family and friends that are going and uh wishing i'll wish them all luck now maybe they'll listen to this podcast episode on their travels up north but um Mm -hmm. yeah the good old northern moose hunt it's exciting i love seeing it's awesome this time of year seeing pictures and hearing the stories it's the best for sure but yeah, damn work. I'm not. Uh, I'm not loose hunting this year. But, <laughs> but yeah. Um, other than that, I maybe we should just jump right into the episode. I mean, yeah, it was a this... good one. It was, it was an awesome hour that we had with her and learned. Uh, mm-hmm. Learned not like learned a lot, but at the same time, just like it was great to, to talk to somebody that has a, like such a high passion and drive for the outdoors and, and, mm-hmm. and being a positive, you know, influence.
0: Yes, hundred uh, percent. Yep
1: be fired off or what
0: i think so let's get into her
1: well today's episode is kind of a cool one i actually got this guest suggested from a family member says that they follow very closely on the adventures that our guest goes on way up in alaska or whatever direction you're listening from uh, welcome to the show tana grenda
2: thank you happy to be here
1: right on i don't know if you've listened to too many of our shows yet but what we do is we do a, a segment called five burning questions right off the start and it's kind of to put you on the spot see how you are get our uh our audience familiar with our guests and get you familiar with us so i got three questions and then brennan will probably finish it off with two you got two there brennan you bet i hoping perfect yeah, let's so perfect. let's let's fire them off uh Tana, the first question for you is that when you're out in alaska what's one tool or article that you don't leave home without puffies what's that
2: puffies like top and bottom puffy layers
1: oh yeah 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 Layered up yeah that's fair something <laughs> some to some break the wind maybe a little bit too yeah uh, my second question is if you had one last meal before you left this earth what would you have to eat and what would you have to drink with it
2: moose ribs
1: moose ribs oh dang
2: yeah the K- cat.
1: You got to elaborate a little bit on that. This is supposed to be five questions It'll be fast, but you got to elaborate on moose ribs. I love the
2: moose ribs are amazing. People don't know this, but you can take the whole rib cage off of a moose and you don't peel off any layers or the fat or anything. And you saw all them into like three chunks. And then you cut them into like chunks of two ribs and you put them in a crock pot for 24 hours minimum. And it is like fall off the bone, the most tender, juicy meat you've ever had in your life, it's so good. No way! <laughs> yeah,
1: that's awesome. That's awesome. That what would you have to fantastic. drink? That up?
2: I don't know. I'm pretty plain. I drink water usually. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with water. Nope. I don't there's drink juice,
2: milk, alcohol, <laughs> soda. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty much a water person.
1: Do you, do you throw in like a, throwing a slice of lemon in there every once in a while just to like be crazy? Oh yeah. Or?
2: Lemon, <laughs> electrolytes—I go crazy. With that. <laughs> nice. Yeah.
1: Um, my third question for you—I I call it "fuck you" money, but we'll maybe change a little bit. But if you said this bundle of money fall on your lap, but you can't invest it or give it to family or treat it anybody except yourself, what would you buy yourself?
2: Polar
0: bear hunt, Northern
3: Canada. Polar bear hunt.
0: There you go. <laughs> nice. Sounds like you thought about that one. Yeah. It's My
2: dream There's hunt. Man. Chambered right I need up. The money. So yeah, that would be. <laughs> great. <laughs>
1: Brandon, you got four and five yeah Ready i do
0: i do uh i always pivot away a little bit with this one um so a favorite artist or a concert anywhere in the world who would you go see Ooh, luke combs luke combs yeah that'd be all right is he coming up to alaska anytime soon
2: probably not no I told my husband he needed to invite him on a moose hunt. Maybe he'd go.
3: Oh, there you (laughs) go.
0: (laughs) Just spam the DMs. I'm sure he'll show up.
2: Yeah, no, that'd be a good concert.
0: That wouldn't be. All right, so uh, we did kind of, we heard the polar bear thing with the the FU money there. What's a bucket list trip? Like anywhere in the world you'd want to go that you haven't been? Mm -hmm. And maybe why is a little to elaborate.
2: This one stumps me because Alaska is such a cool place. Like I feel so content with where I'm at. I'm like, do I want to go anywhere? But um, I guess if I could go anywhere, I would like to go see Africa. Maybe I sure, don't know. That'd be that'd be cool. I don't know, just to see a different part of the world, and lots yeah. of animals, and maybe shoot a lion or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But polar bear hunt number one. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. So you made it through the five burning questions, which is um. It's quite funny because we we always say this after a lot of the guests. Is sometimes they take like 45 minutes and sometimes they take five. So they're pretty fun to do. But, there's yeah, there's a number of reasons why we wanted to get you on the podcast. And um, you have a, a long list on your resume of things that you're doing, especially in the outdoors. But we kind of mentioned that you are from Alaska. Can you maybe jump back and tell us, like, were you born and raised there? Did you, did you transplant there? How did it all start for Alaska?
2: Yeah, it's kind of an interesting story. I grew up in northern Idaho pretty much right along the Canadian border, like right? Pretty close to Crescent, BC. And so grew up in the mountains with brothers and hunting, fishing, you know, in the Rockies. And I got my pilot's license when I was 17 and I never traveled anywhere, like anywhere. My dad didn't take us on vacation. He worked seven days a week. He said, we lived in the most beautiful place. We didn't need to go anywhere. And my brother went and worked in Alaska. We went and visited him and went on a fishing trip. And I just fell in love with the place. So when I came back, got my pilot's license, I was like 17, you know, pretty much a senior in high school. I just had this burning desire to like go to Alaska at some point, because that's where the aviation capital of the world is, you know, and uh, loved hunting and all of that. So I went to college, transferred to a bunch of places in Idaho, hated it all. I just, I wanted to be in the mountains and I wanted to be around a lot of airplanes so I moved to Alaska drove the whole road from like southern Idaho all the way to oh. Anchorage wow. <laughs> um 19 years old alone didn't know a soul and just yeah moved up there and built a life and uh never really looked back so <laughs> and I always tell people like as soon as I got across the border from Canada into Alaska. Like, I felt like I was home. I had never felt that before. And I just was like, this is my place. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So I went to college in Anchorage for a while, just couldn't handle this big city and all the people. And um, once I kind of flew out to some remote places, that's where I was like, this is, this is where it's at right here. I want to be in the bush. So once I found my husband and got married, we moved out to the bush because that's where he flew airplanes. And (laughs) I was totally down with that. So (laughs) Heck yeah, yes. I ended up in the middle of nowhere in Alaska.
1: So are you still flying? Um, do you fly still like today?
2: No, I don't. Once I had kids, because we we got a lot of kids through foster care. So I went from like zero kids to five. And that was pretty overwhelming. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> Just
2: the yeah. And I also started my business the same day I got my five kids. And so the last five years have been a whirlwind of parenthood and entrepreneurship and so um yeah i kind of quit flying but my husband flies we have our own plane and i just kind of use him as my personal pilot to take me wherever oh, I, perfect.
0: perfect it's hard yeah. to
2: me to stay current you know with all the stuff yeah. i have going on. but maybe someday when the kids are out of the house again i'll have time to fly and dedicate some time to it <laughs> i just don't have a lot of that these days
1: yeah that's fair uh reminiscing back into the to the younger days of 19 year old you yourself when you when you had that passion to fly where like what like what happened there like did you get into a bush plane and just start flying like what happened when you got to Alaska
2: um well I got my license originally because I won a scholarship it was just kind of this on the whim thing I lived near an FBO this little airport and they put out a scholarship for high schoolers every year and I won it and so I'm like, whoa, this is pretty cool. And so I, you know, hopped in a Cessna, I did my training. I just loved it. You know, I, I loved being able to like disconnect from the world and just go fly and you just all your worries melt away in a plane. Um, and then when I went to Anchorage, I actually went to college for air traffic control. Like that was going to be my, my career path to be an air traffic controller and then have enough money to have an airplane <laughs> 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 and fly on the side. I never really wanted to be a commercial pilot. Um, And then I got my float rating in Anchorage. And so that was the first time I like sat in a bush plane, took off from a lake, and then went out to some remote lakes, you know, surrounded by moose and bears. And I'm just like, what is this? This is insane. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of, I think, where I really fell in love with the aspect of flying. And, you know, now that I don't really fly myself anymore, behind the controls. I mean, I'm in an airplane a lot. I love flying. I love the access that Bush right. plane give me, but I could care less whether I'm in the backseat or at the controls. And so that's why I haven't pushed myself to stay current so much. Cause I realized I just love flying. I don't care who's flying the plane, mm-hmm. <laughs> but some people really love to be behind the controls. Like my husband, he does not like to fly in a plane that he's not in control of. And I'm not mm-hmm. that way. I'm like, I could care less. Just take me somewhere and I'll be happy. <laughs>
0: get me where I need to
1: be.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's great. And then the outdoor passion, I mean, growing up in Idaho and then moving to Alaska and the hunting fishing side of things, where did that all start for you?
2: Well, I, I joke that I was born in the well, fourth week of October. So right at the heart of elk season. And so (laughs) I didn't really have a choice. Uh, Most of my birthday parties were packing out my brother's elk. So um, nice when I was young that's, I good, that's a good system. <laughs> I was pretty upset that my birthday parties were always canceled to pack elk and then I think I just fell in love with it because that's what my family did and that's how we spent time together and I just loved being outside and you know having the challenge of packing things out and doing hard things instead of just sitting at home and playing video games like I wanted to just be out there and do hard things and mm-hmm. I was very much a, an achiever like you know, type a straight a student back then, you know, and so anything that I could challenge myself with and succeed at, that's what hunting gave me was like something to push myself towards and see if I could do it. And um, so, yeah, I think my brothers just really like did it for me. I mean, they just kept me, kept me on their heels and pushed me, you know, they're all six, four guys and I'm five, five. So that was interesting trying to keep up with them. But they never gave up on me, you know. They always took me, they always helped me, and um, they dealt with all the times that I missed elk because I couldn't find them in the scope, or you know. Yeah. And they, they made me the hunter that I am today. So I would say it's my brother's fault. <laughs>
1: well, good I'll fault, them. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like grow, growing up with brothers and 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 a father and stuff that are big into hunting, did and I mean. <clears throat> Like for a woman to in the outdoors, it's always been like a or has been a men dominated type of industry. Did you find it like you need to prove yourself to them as well, or even when you got to last you wanted to prove that that you belonged? Was that ever an issue uh, as being a woman in the outdoors?
2: Um, You know, maybe I just it was kind of a way of life for me, and my mom hunted as well, so it wasn't like a foreign thing for you know women to hunt where I grew up anyway. But yeah, it was definitely more male dominated, and yeah, my brothers would, like, jump in and skin my deer, gut it out, and they wouldn't really, like, <laughs> let me jump in and do it. So that's where I had to kind of push them and be like, hey, I want to learn how to do this. Right. Like, you can't just do this for me forever. You take me out. You help me get milk, elk. But, like, let me do it. <laughs> and so I, I think that's where it's difficult is, yeah, at some point you want to prove yourself and be like, I'm capable. I can cut this up. I can back it out. I can do it. Um, But, yeah, in Alaska... I just kind of found my crew, you know, I found, I found my friends. I found the people that I really like to hunt with, which is mostly my husband and my family, (laughs) not a a ton of friends, but some friends. And I found like kind of my little posse of people that I love to hunt with. And I feel like we're really capable and we could hold our own against, you know, most anybody out there just because we've done it our whole life. You know, Mm, I was very blessed in that way. I didn't have to like get to my twenties and, get into hunting like I've done it my whole life so it's just kind of second nature but I've definitely mm-hmm. you know had to make a lot of mistakes along the way to learn that you know and by no means an expert
1: <laughs> yeah it's, it's hunting the outdoors in general I think there's no such thing as an expert and like
2: right.
1: even when you do think that you're like getting really good at something then all of a sudden the land will like basically swallow you up and spit oh. you out and be like ah, good luck good luck it again
2: it humbles you it humbles you so much <laughs> like i have been yeah. so humbled i've almost died a few times and it's it's really humbling i think that's why i love it so much too is it just it it keeps you in check it reminds you what's important in life keeps your priorities in order and um yeah it's just unforgiving mm-hmm. nature is an amazing teacher <laughs> yeah
1: yeah that that aspect of it kind of brings me to my next question Um, like I said at the start of the podcast is that your resume is full of different jobs and activities and stuff that you're doing. Um, Was that what brought you into like kind of the the fitness and outdoors kind of combination? Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, like how did that start for you with, uh, well, I mean, it'd probably be like, oh, I went on the mountain one day and I couldn't catch my breath. I better do something about it. I assume (laughs) that's how it started because... I'm a flatlander and I walk through uh, fields and can't catch my
0: breath. So I got to <laughs> yeah. get on that someday. <laughs> Tripping so, on crop.
2: <laughs> so you're my next client. Okay. <laughs> 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 no. Um, yeah. You know, that kind of morphed as well. I mean, I, I was going to be a traffic controller and I had all these plans for my life. And then when I moved to the bush, I had to just figure it out. Cause there's not much to do here and my husband was flying and I just kind of lived in a small community. And so I saw that a lot of people could use help in the health world and fitness world. And for me, like my fitness and my training leads to my hunting, my hiking, putting a pack on, being able to carry heavy stuff. I used to be a bodybuilder, so like my purpose behind training was to look good on stage. And now my training is to like feel strong and healthy in the mountains. And I just noticed that a lot of people that maybe not just failed on their hunts but maybe quit on quit early on their hunts or you know didn't make it the full time was because they weren't physically prepared for it they weren't physically strong enough to be able to to hack it and so when I started my fitness business you know I really dove into the health aspect I want to help people with their nutrition and their you know their strength and their endurance but when I saw how much it was helping actual hunters feel better in the mountains and be able to like tag out on their sheep tag that they've never, you know, done before, or be able to pack a heavy moose that they couldn't before. That was so rewarding for me because again, like I grew up with it. I was used to it, but coming from like somebody that's never hiked a mountain before, and then you're putting a pack on, going up on a sheep hunt, hiking 20 miles, and then carrying it back down. Like you got to train for that. And so I just, I love training people for hunting specifically. I have other clients as, as well that aren't hunters, but Um, it's probably my favorite time to train hunters because it's like my niche and I love it and I yeah I do it myself so I get it I get how hard it is
1: yeah and and that's the kind of uh, I don't know how to frame this up properly but like the respect for that is huge on my part just and the reason being this one like one of my mentors is my buddy Chase um, who started Panoramic as well And I remember like at times we were getting ready for elk hunts and I mean, we weren't in the mountains by any means, but we were in like thick bush in the middle of Manitoba, in the middle of nowhere, hiking in a few miles, you know, and he was doing like the put weights in his, in his pack and walking, you know, laps in his yard and then pulling back his bow and shooting just so he could like get his breathing down and doing all these things. And I'd like never thought about it. And then you start doing more research, like, you know, the bigger names like Cameron Haynes and all these other dudes and, and women as well that are, they're doing the fitness with hunting. And it's just like, it makes your, not like your profession, but like, it makes you that much better of a, of an outdoors person, right? Like um, you're -hmm. reliable, you can get there, you can find the animals and, you know, people are successful because of how good of shape they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very, very remarkable and very admirable too, that, that people commit themselves to, to doing that. Right. And I, I don't know how to, this is a long winded statement, but I don't know how to like comprehend it because I've never hunted the mountain. So I don't even know. It's like, ah, it can't be that hard, but then, you know, it is.
2: Yeah. It's totally different. It's, but yeah, if you've grown up and you are in the flatlands or maybe you do tree stand hunting or day-to-day hunts, it is completely different than doing a backcountry mountain hunt or being dropped off on a moose hunt for 14 days, you know, it's just, it is crazy the amount of stamina and the endurance that it takes, um, you know, physically and mentally. And so I think training does that for you. It doesn't just train your body physically, but it trains you mentally to be tougher, to push through when you want to quit. You know, it it gives you a lot. Um, and I just recognize that with a lot of hunts and, and people that I had gone with, there'd be an elk on the next ridge like, no, it's too far. I right. know I can't make it. But if you were capable and like you, you were trusted that your body could do it, that ridge isn't too far away, you know? So it could right. be the difference between you getting an elk or maybe not. And so I just like to mitigate those factors. Like it's not going to be because of my body and my mind, it's going to be because of other factors that I can't control. So it's like an athlete, right? It's like a sport. People mm, that yeah. you know are training for their sports, they train all year long for it. And if you really want to be a good outdoorsman and hunter and great at what you do, like you train for it, whether it's shooting a gun or shooting a bow or, you know, hiking mountains, like whatever it is training for, it makes you better at that. And it trains you mentally to be tough too.
1: Yeah. And the one thing that you did say is that like, you got to trust your body to like get to a, B or C, but at the same time, I think it's like a lot of people already have that trust in their body but I think people are realizing <laughs> that like
2: like maybe not like I'm not
1: young anymore like maybe I should you know go for a walk in the mornings or maybe you know what I mean like right um you do trust your body but at the same time like how far can you push it though and before you have yeah. a heart attack <laughs> yeah. oh
2: for sure you can still push yourself quite a bit even if you oh, do for try. sure you know? and yeah
1: and then then that's the mentoring and coaching aspect of it, did that come along with the fitness like a uh, business?
2: Yeah. Um. So I do everything virtual. I, I started out training in person in the gym and then it just was sucking up a lot of my time. And I had little kids at home and that was tough. And so I wanted to be at home with my kids, but also be able to work from home. And so I do everything virtually um, coaching. And then I do some business mentorship as well for people that need it. And, yeah. Just, I love it. I mean, I'm able to work from home. I'm able to live in the bush of Alaska and have internet. Like how awesome is that? And then now I do in-person events with retreats. So I get like the best of all the worlds away from people, but I get to be with people in the <laughs> woods, but I get to also like virtually meet people all over the world. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. That's, that's pretty neat. Um, When it comes to like the mentoring side of things, like do you find clientele being, a lot of outdoors people as well is that like the coaching mentoring that you're doing or is it just like in life in general
2: um so I have a life coach on my team and she does a lot more of like the therapy life coaching side of it my mentorship is a lot of you know nutrition lifestyle um how are you taking care of your body and and physical training um and then business mentorship side is like what are you creating how do we market this how do we price it What do we do financially? So, I would say I've I've kind of got my toes into the business side, into the health, health and fitness side, and then I hired a life coach on my team to do the life coaching side. If that makes sense, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've got a team. I can't do it all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, By your resume, it looks like you kind of do do it all, which is very, very awesome, and um, very yeah, it's pretty cool talking with you about it. I just noticed. before we jumped on that you were were you just part of a moose hunt Is that
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: how does that go do you want to talk about that quick
2: sure yeah um we go moose hunting every year it's the way that we provide for our family we have five kids and we live off the road system so i tell people like i, sh- I have to ship my groceries in on a cargo plane and pay over a dollar a pound oh, wow. whenever i'm shipping. So. We don't have great soil out here for gardening, so I have to ship in my produce. But I'm not shipping in meat. (laughs) I'm not paying. (laughs) So it's a great thing that we hunt, and it's we're very blessed with you know the lifestyle that we get to live out here. But we fill our freezers with moose and salmon and caribou every year. Um, That's why we don't do a lot of like sheep, mountain goats, deer, that kind of stuff. We have to really travel far to do that but like moose, bears, caribou are like in our backyard. And that's kind of like where, where we live in Southwest Alaska. That's most of the animals that we have here. So we do a big moose hunt every year, friends and family. And so I took two of my friends out cause I can't really hunt with my husband anymore with our kids at home. We take turns. So oh, yeah.
0: yeah,
1: I go out front
2: with friends or family while he stays with the kids. And then when I'm done, he'll go with friends or family and I stay with the kids, you know, and we, we swap. So I got to go first this year, which he, I think secretly he was like, ha I'm going to take the best part of the rut and you're <laughs> early season <laughs> 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 when the bulls aren't calling and when they're not doing, you know, they're not coming into 20 yards. But I was like, I'll be fine. We'll make it happen. So I took two of my friends out who came up from Texas and, uh, it was awesome. We got three bulls in about a week. For a little less than a week and packed all three moose out on our backs, which is well over 2000 pounds. And I mean, that's just so much work. Like you go out there with all your gear, you have to find the moose and then kill the moose. And they're just such huge body animals. If you've ever seen them in person, (laughs) (laughs) then you have to cut them all up, which takes three to four hours. It's like a marathon. Then you have to take each one of those pieces and put them on your back and carry them to a spot where the plane can pick them up. Then you have to load them into the plane. And then once you, once he takes them home, aka my husband, then I have to take the meat and then I have to cut it all up, package it all, vacuum seal it, get it into the freezers, grind the meat that's burger. You know, it's just it's a process that takes a week or two to do one moose, and we did right. three. So um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, I don't know if you have
1: specific questions on it but yeah I'm I'm gonna kind of <laughs> dive into because a and a I'm just said I'm a moose nut. I love moose hunting part of the reason why our logo is a moose um I've done all mine in like northern Manitoba and yeah. then um I actually got a couple archery moose uh in southern Manitoba as well um but uh, I guess to make this very vague i guess is that if you do moose hunting every year obviously one hunt isn't the same the next but could you maybe walk through like what it would look like on an average hunt like are you flying many miles are you setting up a elaborate camp are you going back to the same camp like how does that all look paint us a yeah. little picture here
2: so for moose hunting <laughs> it really depends um it just we kind of go where the moose are and we have basically scouted different spots with our plane, knowing where the moose hang out because we find their sheds every year and we kind of see where they're hanging out every year and you know people are like oh that's cheating and I'm like well I don't have a, you can't drive a car like if there were roads yeah. I would drive a car and scout but I don't have a road so transportation <laughs> is an airplane <laughs> you know what I mean we're not like harassing right. the moose you fly high and you see where the moose are you're not mm-hmm. going to go somewhere it there's no moose so we kind of have our pockets of where we know the moose are and we kind of rotate through those spots every year because you don't want to just out hunt one spot and take all the moose out. You know, you mm-hmm. might hunt this spot one year and the other spot the next year. So we kind of rotate through our spots. So it could be, you know, many, many miles, probably on average, like hour to flight. I don't know. Um, maybe even further, just depending on where they're at and where, which spot we're going to. Um, we've got, you know, quite a bit of moose in this area in all of southwest Alaska, really but the hard part about moose hunting out here is logistics. So who do you fly with? Are you landing on a lake? Are you landing on a ridge? Um, We don't really have transporters out here. We have air taxis. I have my husband, Mm -hmm. thankfully, (laughs) so I don't need to worry about that. But if anyone else is coming out to Southwest Alaska, you're doing an air taxi or transporter, you're getting dropped somewhere and that is your spot and you will get picked up there. So if you shoot a moose two miles from camp, you need to be packing your moose all the way back to where you were dropped off, you know, so you usually have a base camp and you base from there. It's not like sheep hunting where you hike 20 miles and you find a sheep and you can carry the whole thing on your back. No, do not shoot (laughs) more than than a mile from camp. And for a lot of people, that's a lot. Um, I, the longest I've done is two miles and I will never do it again. It's really hard, (laughs) really heavy. Um, My ideal is like, okay, if I can get it within a, a half mile of camp, that is great. Mile, about max. Um, but I, I have a thing called a husband with an airplane and <laughs> he can land a lot of crazy places. So I would say I'm a little more uh, lucky in that he can land closer. I don't I don't just get dropped off in a spot and it's like, all right, we'll be here in two weeks. You know, if mm-hmm. I shoot a moose, if I see a moose three miles away and I can see a landing strip, he can maybe land nearby. Not a strip, I'm talking like a ridge or place without trees. <laughs> you could possibly land in then i will go shoot that moose because he will pick me up there so nice. i i get to be lucky in that way and like move around versus a lot of people don't you get dropped mm-hmm. there and that's where you're hunting um the other way you can move is to do a float hunt so you could do a river float and you know be dropped on top with a raft and float down and shoot a moose and then you have a pickup point maybe at the bottom or somewhere along the way so people do that but yeah i mean i'm spoiled man i get to just be dropped somewhere and shoot one three miles from camp and he might be able to land 100 yards from it and pick it up that has not <laughs> it, by the way <laughs> usually yeah. on average we have a half mile pack for moose
1: oh yeah I'm well listening. i just i just went on an elk hunt last weekend and we had a pack of the elk. there's two of us we had a pack of the elk. it was a pretty big elk like it was a five by five um I don't know the weight on it, but we had to pack it out maybe 700 yards to our side by side, and I just died. So I couldn't imagine (laughs) some of the stuff you guys (laughs) go through. I had a t shirt, it looked like I jumped in the lake. So um yeah, you guys are you guys are doing it crazy up there. So then so then you're going up there, you're you're packing all your gear. Obviously, you gotta be very particular with your gear choices and food choices um Mm -hmm. because of weights right on the planes what 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 would like a you know you don't have to get right down to the to the q-tip but like what are you packing like what do you what do you got like a two-man tent like what what are you taking in with you
2: yeah my husband you know we have a super cub so i can't carry a lot of weight if i had like a beaver or something i carry a lot but he's pretty particular (laughs) i mean he's like you got 50 pounds and that's it i'm like 50 pounds really not a lot (laughs) Um, a lot of air taxis will give you a 50 to a hundred pounds per person. And that's your, oh, yeah. um, yeah, with three of us, we did one six man tent and shared that, On um, if we need to go in lighter for some reason, like if the landing spots going to be shorter and he, he doesn't have extra length to get off and he needs lighter weight, then I do it. You know, a little like two man, could tent it's two right. pounds, you know, <laughs> but in this case we brought our 30 pounds, six man tent. Cause we could have a, a base camp and he had a longer place to land, um, and then when I do that, I, I make more of a cush camp. So I have a cot. That's pretty, nice. <laughs> you know, <and> <laughs> get cat. up off the ground. It's like, it's pretty cush. Um, the only downside of that is when you have earthquakes, I felt an earthquake on the, on the what ground, it like oh, wow. you off the cot. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. No
1: way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: that was wild. <laughs> it feels no like you're kidding. in a boat. If you feel an earthquake in a tent. Is this like, like a
1: regular is this a in regular insurance?
2: No, maybe like once a year. <laughs> I you know, usually feel them in a building and it shakes. But the one time I was sleeping in a cot, it woke me up and I felt like I was on the ocean and the cots going <laughs> no like big waves and it was throwing me off the cot. Oh yeah, it was a fun time. Good roller coaster ride. <laughs> um like yeah. just wait, just wait, just wait.
1: Tana, no. Like, did you did you when you were waking up, like, were you already sleeping when this happened?
2: Yes. So, like, were you <laughs> wow. When you were waking
1: up, were you like, God damn, that's an earthquake. And were you like, holy shit, is that a bear? Like, grabbing my cod? Or, like, what was your first thought? Like, that would have been crazy.
2: Oh, yeah, this was, was it last year? I recognized it as an earthquake. It was just weird, you know. Yeah. You just felt the whole ground moving below you. Really
0: yeah. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> oh, that'd be wild. That'd be wild.
2: It was. It, was, it was trippy I've definitely uh-huh. felt
0: that on the ice ice fishing in the winter time and you feel you feel the ice shift or like a big crack goes and it's two in the morning and you're just like yeah, yeah into the truck <laughs> no the, the ice is 18 inches thick you're fine no still stairs, yeah. stairs again, I, it's like I don't I don't need the fish that bad. no
2: nope. don't trust the ice <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, um yeah so we we brought a nice base camp and then I usually do all freeze-dried food to stay light you know a jet boil just to boil my water, water filter to filter water there, and then just my clothing layers. And that's why I always bring puffies because those have saved my life um, more than once on the mountain. Like if you get stuck on the mountain, you don't have a sleeping bag, you put your puffy coat on, your puffy pants on, and that acts as your sleeping bag. So right. that leaves my pack. And then, you know, rain gear and base layers and extra socks. That's important if your feet get wet. <laughs> and that's kind of my then obviously the weapon whether i'm using a bow or a gun and then i always carry um a 454 kasul on my chest with my binos so
1: oh yeah kind of um head. what about like what if like for your base layers Do you guys do like a merino wool like i i wear quite a bit of merino wool here yeah um yeah it's like it seems to be a lifesaver for you or for me anyways um yeah. when you get up farther I north in northern manitoba but
2: yeah um, He's a lot of you, Pretty much all
1: QU. <laughs> hey, no free ads. Just kidding. Um... No, yeah,
2: <laughs> it's the best. Oh <laughs> my. <laughs> we'll <buy> um, <laughs>
1: yeah. So, so you got your camp, and then you talked about freeze-dried foods, and we also talked about how food was expensive and inconvenient to get. Do you do a lot of like homemade stuff, or, or are you shipping that stuff in, or what does that look like?
2: Man, if I had time to do homemade stuff, I would <laughs> I get most I, I
1: guess, right?
2: <laughs> eat refuel meals because they're ready, made to go. I just ship them in. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Nice. Right on. And then so okay, so we're all hooked up at the, you got flown in, we got camp set up. Now tell me about this moose on there's three of you. Tell me at least about one of the one of the moose you guys harvested.
2: Well, day one, my my friend Macy, it's her her first moose on ever. Um She's gotten like a goat and a bear and everything before, but it's never hunted moose. So she was gonna be the first shooter. I, I decided I'd be the last shooter because I can, you know, do this anytime. <laughs> I like to, you know, see other people get excited. So we leave the tent, first thing, it's like first light, you can barely see. And we spot a bull literally 500 yards from our tent in the wide open. And we're like, okay, let's go shoot it. Cause he looks like he's about <laughs> 60, 60 inches wide. And in this area, oh. it needs to um, 50 and three. So like 50 inches wide or have three brows. And so we need to make sure he's legal. And he looked plenty legal. He had three brows and he looked well over 50 inches. And so we're like, let's get closer, even though we had the capability to shoot that far. And then we snuck in and for whatever reason, I don't know if he saw us or winded us or what, but he like bumped up into the alders and bedded down. (laughs) I was like, shoot, now what? Now we wait, you know? And we kind of had some fog rolling in, so we needed to kind of make it happen because it was going to be foggy the rest of the day. So I went back and I grabbed one of those paddles like Jim Shockey uses, just like a wooden canoe paddle right. and just started smashing a tree and raking on a tree and that got him up and he came right out to the open for like a 370 yard broadside shot. She dumped him right there and we had a moose down like at first light, first day. Oh,
1: wow. <laughs> perfect like that's That's a good start
2: (laughs) (laughs) so that was a great start and then right after that the fog moved in for the rest of the day you couldn't see a thing so that was pretty lucky (laughs) so we spent that whole day cutting it up and you know packing the game bags and there even though we were only like half mile from camp we found a closer landing spot so we only had to pack that one like 200 yards I think which is a really close pack for a moose so we you know put all our meat there And the next morning my husband was going to come in to fly it out so that you know the meat's not spoiling i mean it was getting cold at night but it's always good to just fly it out as soon as you can and they get it in a meat cooler and stuff so he was planning on coming in like an hour or whatever to go pick up our meat so we go over to kind of where the landing strip is and we're getting the meat bags ready it's day two and brady the husband of, of macy he's the next shooter mm-hmm. he looks up and he's like oh my gosh, there's a big bull right next to Macy's. And I was like, what? And I look up and I just see these huge fronts and like tons of long points just sticking over the willows and the alders. And he has no clue we're there. He's 200 yards from us right next to the kill from the day before. And we're standing with the boost bags in the wide open and we're like, let's go kill him. (laughs) (laughs) Is this really really happening? Is this a dream, you know? Um, And he looks like a big bull. So what's funny about this story is my buddy Brady, he's like trying to talk me into shooting it because we kind of had this deal, like if it's a really big bull, we're letting Tana shoot it. But for me, like I've shot, you know, pretty decent sized bulls. I I really don't care that much about getting one this year. I just, I'm happy to see other people get them. And so I was like, no, you're shooting this bull. And he's like, no, you shoot it. It's really big. I'm like, no, you shoot it. <laughs> it's really so you know you found the right hunting partner when you're arguing over yeah you know who's gonna you guys shoot.
1: are just like rock, paper, scissors, and tying and the moose is walking away you're like no, rock, paper, scissors like,
2: again. This moose is gonna get away if you don't shoot him. I want you to shoot him, you're shooting this bull. He's like, Are you sure? I'm like, Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> so he gets set up on him and he you can just only see his horns. You can't see his body or anything. And we're pretty close, you know, under 200 yards now, but the wind is howling. It's blowing like 30 right in our face, which is great. And then he can't hear us. And, uh, so he beds down and we're like, shoot, <laughs> <laughs> we've got Adam potentially coming into land in an hour. This is not good. Um, so I just messaged him on the interage. Don't come. We're pursuing a ball. We'll text you later. If we get him down, then you can come in, you know?
3: Mm-hmm. So that
2: was good. Um, and he got that message in time, thankfully, <laughs> but we were, heard- <laughs> Sitting there waiting on this bull and he just, I don't know if he couldn't hear with the wind, but we tried calling and he tried raking and nothing was getting him up. Um, after like an hour, we cow called and he stood up 175 yards, like perfect broadside shot. We shoot him. He dies. Well, shot him a few times. He took a few bullets and uh, he's like bedded down. And, and we think he died because he hit three shoulder shots and he goes down and he's like, okay, I'm going in after the brush, so, in the brush after him. He's probably dead, but I'm going to go make sure. So he's walking through the brush and I'm following him and his wife's behind me. And we're probably like 15, 20 yards behind him. And I hear a shot and I'm like, crap. (laughs) And and we're in Alder's so tall, you can't see two feet in front of you, you know? And then I hear, you're in our line of, you're in my line of fire. Get out of the way. And I can't see anything. I'm just like, where are you? I don't even know (laughs) what is happening. (laughs) So, Macy and I turn around, take off running just as fast as we can, as far away as we can, to hit the deck. And then we hear one more shot. And then he's like, Okay, you can come in now. <laughs> I'm like, So I go in there. I'm like, What just happened? He's like, That thing stood up five yards and came at me because he was downhill. No and he's like, I shot it and it whirled. He's like, I had to jump out of the way because it was going to run me over. And then he said, then it stopped and it, it was dying, you know, but he's like, but it was between you and me. He's like, you were like, I knew you were behind that moose. I'm like, thank goodness you knew, but yeah. he knew because following him, you know, but it's like the moose got between us somehow, but I couldn't see anything because the alders were too thick and too tall. So we totally thought it was dead, but he, he was a tough one, I guess. <laughs> huh. He's like, I can see your moose spears now, Tana. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Because I had a moose charge me last year and had to kill it.
1: Oh, wow.
2: They're just scary animals when they're big and coming at you that close. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that was pretty exciting. We had two bulls down by morning two in the same spot. (laughs) (laughs) When does that ever happen? Probably not very often. (laughs) It was great.
1: Wow. And then you got bull number three yet?
2: Um. Yeah, so Adam came in later that day, picked up all the meat from both the bulls, and then it was my turn, and like I said, I was charged last year, which was an interesting experience. I had a little bit of moose trauma from that. I had to kill him with my revolver. Like oh, no. uh, shit. Should we, should we just
1: talk about that story, maybe, first? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, hey, what the hell happened? This is like well, a choose your own adventure book. Sorry
0: right to sorry to rehash the trauma,
1: honestly, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, I no, we don't need to if you don't want to talk about
2: it. I've almost died from a bear. I've almost been trampled by a moose. We we've had a lot. So um, what
1: you're saying is we got to sign you up for multiple episodes. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly.
0: Every
1: year from now until 2027.
0: Okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Yeah, before this hunt, my husband's like, repeat after me. I will not be mauled, eaten, or bred by any animals. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's my reputation. <laughs> well, yeah, last year, first day, went out with a friend, just trying to get her an archery moose and um, also her first moose hunt ever. We came up on an island through some brush, and I've had it where, you know, you. You hit brush or they hear it. And if they're really ruddy, they think you're a bull and they're coming in to fight. And that's what this bull did. he was a small, like 40 inch or, you know, young bull, stupid bull. And we kind of met face to face at 20 yards on a gravel bar. And I like yelled at him and he like posed up and started raking like he was going to fight me. And I was like, oh no. So (laughs) yeah, I get my revolver out. We both had a revolver on our chest. My, my gun was in my pack. And her bow was on her pack, but we both had a 454. And so I, I drew, I was like, Hey, get out of here. And I yelled at him and he like kind of backed off a little bit. And then he, I was trying to get around him and like cross and get out of his way. But we had water on each side of us. We had just crossed a Creek. And we had to cross another Creek and behind us was the Creek in the, in the brush. And I'm like, if we go through that brush again, he's coming. Like I need yeah. to quietly, you know, get around him. And so, I like sneak around him, but he's trying to corner us. Like we move this way and he comes this way and and squares up to us to fight at like five yards. And I'm just yelling at this thing, like get out of here, you know? And then I come around to the right and he corners me this way. And then he gets into raking this bush really hard. I'm like, this thing is so ready right now. I don't know what I'm gonna have to do to this thing. But while he's raking that tree, not paying attention, we snuck around him, cross that creek, got up on a bluff and just took off and tried to get distance. And I, you know, strategically went upwind of him because I wanted to make sure my wind was going right out and he could smell me because they don't have right. great eyesight, but if he can smell me, they're usually gone, you know? And so anyway, we got like hundred, 150 yards from him way out in the tundra. And we're just headed back to camp. We're not 500 yards from our camp. We <laughs> are hunted just started. So we're walking back to camp. I don't know why at this point I didn't take my rifle out of my pack. That was the dumbest thing ever. And I'm like, I'm just going back to the tent. We're going to reset and we're going to start over. So we're like hiking through the tundra in the wide open, just like chest high willows, so I can see. And I look back and that moose freaking pinned us and followed us. Like he followed our tracks. He crossed exactly where we crossed that Creek. He came up on the bluff and was following us on our trail with our wind blowing right at him. And I'm like, what the hell is this (laughs) ball doing? And you can't outrun a moose. I don't know if you've no. tried, but you really can't outrun a <laughs> So I am like going as fast as I can. I'm like, Alicia, I think this thing's coming. And we come up on a Creek and it's too deep to cross. And now oh. we're, we're pinned. We're pinned against this Creek. We cannot cross. We cannot run this thing. He's now like 30 yards close in the distance. So I yell at him again. And I'm like, we're, we're waving our arms when the wide open, like we are not a freaky moose. Go away. <laughs> you know, and we're just like two little women, you know? both like five, five, we're not very big and scary. Um, and he like puts his head down and starts coming faster. And I'm just like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. So I pull my 454 casuel out and I give him a warning shot right through the horns. Cause I've heard that like, if they hear that, you know, they might turn. So I give him a warning shot. He came harder. And then I said, Alicia, get ready. We're shooting. And once he hit 10 yards, I was just like, and he was about to trample her first. Cause she was kind of around this bush and she was a little bit to the side of me and he was going for her and so I got a little bit more of a broadside shot and so I just emptied three hit him in the spine on the third one to drop him
1: oh god and
2: uh yeah it was freaking scary it was freaking scary that (laughs) thing was going to trample us or try to breed us not exactly (laughs) but just the fact that he like he bluff charged us first, you know, we got around him, got tons of distance, and then he followed us. I just never had a to That's do that, crazy. you know, up like, upwind, upwind, <laughs> <laughs> like he smelled us and he's like, "I'm going to find him. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just tagged him because I had an any bull tag, but that was my bull last year, a mm-hmm. little 40-incher with my revolver.
0: And so a story, bull and a story. yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: So this is I was like, well, I don't want any of those Close Encounters
3: <laughs> If you're listening to this episode, we know you love local and so do we. That's why we're going to encourage you to check out your local co-op. Co-op is in over 600 communities across Western Canada with over 2 million members. Co-ops are a member-driven organization that serve the local community. You can check out co-ops for all your food, fuel, home and construction, as well as agricultural needs. A membership costs you $10 to get in and you're gonna see that back in equity. You don't need a membership to shop at Co-op, but you would be missing out on all the equity and most importantly your say and how that company runs. For groceries, if you wanna shop online, you can check it out online at shop.crs and select markets. There's hundreds of local products sourced and packaged all across Western Canada and even free cookies for children in store at the deli counter if you're looking at a home and building experience they have local experts available to help with any plans large or small and free home and garage blueprints available for online download their gas stations are not just a great place to stop for fuel but also for snacks and a recharge they're available all across western canada voted the cleanest bathrooms they have full service at most locations and car washes at most locations. On the egg side, co-op's been in the business since 1930 and has continued to lead the way in not just energy products needed for seeding, harvesting and everything in between, but also in the growing inventory of high quality products including crop inputs and feed that Co op manufactures and distributes. Co op's private label production selection is growing every year, providing growers with the high quality products they expect from the name they trust. Co-op also offers a range of fuel, lubricant, and propane products, and also provides farm buildings, grain bins, bulk fuel, fuel tanks, livestock equipment, fencing, and heaters. Wherever you are, be sure to check out your local co-op because they have it all.
2: Um, So, like, day three, we didn't see anything. Day four, didn't see much. By the evening, I spotted a big bull. Actually, no, Brady spotted it, and I looked at him through the spotter and I was like, dude, I recognize that bull. We did a lot of shed hunting, and I have four years of sheds to this guy, and he is huge 70 plus bull. He's huge. Oh, wow! And he's like a mile away, and I'm just like, I can't believe it. I've never seen him alive. You know, it's so cool when you shed hunt and you know the animals, and when you see him alive, it's just like it's it just kind of comes all full circle, and you're like, oh my gosh, (laughs) there's the bull. finding for years you know and so this is a bull we've never seen It's like I'm gonna go kill him we had like an hour of daylight left and so I get closer and he just kind of disappears into the alders and stuff and uh so I get within like a half mile I've got a I shoot long range I shoot archery close up you know I I do everything I like to have the option of long range especially if they don't call or they're jumpy and um he he's seemed to be a little jumpy and not like you know, calling to because still kind of early in the season. So he's gone for a little bit. I'm a half mile away. I'm like, okay, he's going to come out like in this general area when he does, I'm going in and I can shoot from right here. And I kind of know where I can shoot from. So we wait and we wait and we wait. And normally I would go in on a bowl, but it was just like, I don't want to push him. You know, I only have an hour of daylight. I'm just going to wait for him to come out and then to run in and shoot him. So, I see, I start to see paddles flashing through the trees and I see a lot of points and this bull's moving sideways. So I'm like, yeah, that's an awesome bull. I'm going, I'm shooting. There he is, you know, and I just totally lose it. I lose it. (laughs) This is the bull I'm going to shoot him. So I run into like 550 yards. I get set up on the rifle. I'm ranging, I'm dialing. He's kind of moving sideways, but he's like in and out of the brush. So he's coming into openings that I could like kill him in and as he's moving i just remember like ranging dialing ranging dialing because he kept getting further and further away and he's just on the move now he's not really stopping so brady's behind way behind us and he starts raking to try to like get him to stop and he runs he starts running and i'm like crap so i kind of give a hail mary cow call and he stops for a split second and i get on the gun and i shoot him like perfect heart shot 620 yards wow And he runs like for five seconds stops tips over backwards and he's done. And I was like, oh. oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. You know, we're celebrating. I'm like, i got this big bull down. My husband's going to be so proud of me. <laughs> I'm <Like,
3: just, like, laughs> so
2: excited. And then Brady's like, would this be a bad time to say the big, the big bull just stepped out? Oh and no. What do you mean? And I look up and that big 70 plus incher stepped out in the same spot, right where that oh. other one came out. And Ah. stood probably a hundred yards from my dead moose for a good 20 minutes in the wide open, just looking at me. I was like, Oh no. (laughs) Freaking. I was so oh, I was so mad at myself. I just and from the side, they looked very similar because they had big long daggers out the front and they had big long points and long paddles. But you know, I haven't any bull tag. So like if it was one of them, I would make sure that it had the brows and the width.
3: But for mine,
2: I was like, I have any bull tag. Bull tag, I just saw the points and I'm like, it's him, and I shot and you know it's amazing shot and I was super pumped, and then I was like, dang it. <laughs> I shot the wrong bull. Uh-huh. So yeah, he he lives, he lives to see a few more Another days day. for now. Maybe yeah, maybe
1: it'll be 71 next <laughs> year. So, we'll <laughs> so congratulations on the harvest of all three of your group. But um, so what maybe. would they measure out at? Like just width wise.
2: Yeah, so my friend Macy's was 58, Brady's was 66, and his was, like, boot and Crockett, 233, um, and then mine, surprisingly, was like 55 inches wide. He oh, is man. heavier than some of our 70-inch bulls. He's, like, he's just got a lot of mass and a lot of big points, and but I didn't really see him from the front, you know, and he he still looks like a really good bull. Like everyone that I show him, like they're like, that's 60. I'm like, no, it's 55. I've measured it eight times over and it's 55. <laughs> He's a really big 50. He's like the biggest mid fifties bull I've ever seen. Um, oh, yeah. really lots of mass, heavy bull, awesome bull. I'm, I'm really happy with him, but he doesn't score with crap. Cause he has spikes for fronts. So you don't get any yeah. of that score, you know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was an awesome hunt and definitely an upgrade from last year's bull. <laughs>
1: that's crazy those are some awesome stories and the one part when you or the start when you're talking about how that one bull came out of uh, the second bull and you're like oh that like never happens and then it happens on your third one right like there's two bulls in one bush kind of idea right?
2: um yeah like where I are these coming from <laughs>
1: <laughs> i uh, actually know a story it's a pretty good one too is in northern manitoba there's uh three of my buddies or family i guess they're floating down the river like second last day of season um come down the, come around the corner and there um there's a bull standing there um they shoot that bull they go up to the, ri- the riverbank they kind of like bring their boat up they're looking at uh at this little bull they shot they thought they could hear something in the bush they made a call another bull comes out so they shot him they had three tags shot okay. him so they left their guns at the first bull go to the second bull to like snap a pitcher or whatever take a look at it and then a third bull came out and it was this huge wow. one from manitoba like probably 50 plus inch one yeah. and they, they're like oh shit guns are at the first ball like oh, no. 20 yards away or whatever it was and and they run back grab their guns and shoot the third ball and drop it what? yeah so they have three bowls. they have there's three of three bowls, and then they go back to start cleaning up the first one and they uh looked over and that third bull got up and swam across the river and they never found them like he, they uh, must maybe got hit in the horn or hit in the hump or something and dropped them. But yeah, they did. Uh, they, sh- they they like kicked themselves. They should have made sure he was, you know, um, dispatched. I guess before they.
2: Yeah.
1: But yeah, crazy three bulls all together like that in, in the middle wow. of moose season. So.
2: And that's a lot of freaking work to cut up that many uh, one day.
1: Oh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, but they're they I think they're at a, like one of those flying moose camps, so it wouldn't have been hard probably to get the boat out and. Oh yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. Right on the bank. So but yeah, that's crazy. Moose hunting, man. It's so it's so much fun. I love hearing the stories about it. I and you know it's funny because we got you on the podcast to talk about like um fitness and talk about like the outdoors and push planes and all this other stuff, and then we get talking about moose, and then all of a sudden that right. lucky's done an hour.
2: <laughs> I love moose hunting.
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um I got a couple a couple more quick questions I think before we'll let you go because I don't want to take up all your time as you are a busy person um, and then whatever Brendan wants to wrap up with. But I got like um, a fuck you money for myself story, but like if I got a whole bunch of money and I phoned you and was like, hey, Tana, what kind of rifle should I buy for my first moose rifle? Now, I'm like a new hunter. I just want a good rifle to shoot a moose with. What would you suggest? Probably I- one no pun intended.
2: Got mine with a uh, 338 Ultra. Oh nice. Um, I have a gun work. so you've got the long range capability there. And then I shot 285 grain ELDMs, which there's some controversy with of you know, is a match bullet going to perform well? And I, I mean, we've shot I think three big moose with it now, and it's performed like flawlessly. So I've been really, yeah. really happy with that setup.
1: Yeah. That's, that's a big gun. And like, that's like for us, like I don't do long range. Like the Northern Manitoba hunting that we do, it would be like a 300 short mag. Like I have a Brown and 300 oh, short yeah. mag. And then I just use 180 grain. So a little bit smaller, but mm-hmm. um, we're not shooting tanks either. Like you guys, are, your moose probably are a little, a little bit or quite a bit bigger than ours. I think in Manitoba here. So um, just a little bit, that, but yeah.
2: Yeah. They are that's pretty big big body yeah i was just yeah. talking to some other guys too like their their moose took five 225 grain bullets and you know brady's did too and i'm just like i'm i'm just bigger is better always with guns because you it you can just never be too dead
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> and, yeah. and like i don't want to, to shoot something five times i just want to shoot it once and it kills it you know um, yeah. so yeah we may we may be overkill on some of our, our rifles but we shoot most everything with the 338 ultra oh
1: yeah nice and like, that's the thing too like even for myself personally is like once moose hunting and then come down south to go deer hunting i could right. switch up my cartridge and stuff and i'm like nah, fuck it i'm gonna use a 180 grain <laughs> 300 short and i'm <laughs> yeah. not chasing deer through the bush like i'm <laughs> dropping them hopefully and uh, uh yeah i <laughs>
2: just remember that <laughs> yeah
1: um the other thing too tana so i one thing that we love doing uh with panoramic is is food like preparing food gardening doing all that stuff so i have to ask um do you have like uh i know you talked about the moose ribs but do you have anything else that you take off the moose that's maybe not as common as the rest of us like are you doing like moose tongue or like anything crazy like that
2: i haven't done the tongue i've taken it out before for some like local natives here that love tongue i don't know i just can't get past the whole tongue thing Maybe right. if you said it to me and you're like, here, here's some like pork and I would eat it and I would <laughs> love it and you didn't tell me it was tongue. I can do it. <laughs> I just can't. Uh, but yeah. I always take the moose heart and I love moose heart. It,
3: mm-hmm.
2: what did I get off my daughters? My daughter shot a big 73 and a half inch moose this year. Wow. Very first moose, 15 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's ruined <laughs> her life.
1: Yeah, but, yeah, that's a goal. That's going to be hard to keep. <laughs> <eat.
0: laughs>
2: but I took the heart from hers, and I even after trimming off all the fibers and stuff, I got 5.4 pounds of, like, pure steak meat out of that wow. that we fried up. And then I canned some of it, we fried up and eat it. So, yeah, I love moose heart, too.
1: Nice. Yeah, we do a lot of heart, both whitetail and moose, or mm-hmm. whatever. We get elk or whatever. You always keep the heart. And it's uh, <laughs> it's one of those things a lot of people like, leave in the gut pile, and it's just like, no not us no. but right um
2: do you do liver other... is um i tried that this year and i about puked so no
1: moose <laughs> liver i've tried it once and i couldn't do it either i'm like yeah deer liver though on the other hand if you get a fresh mm-hmm. deer it's pretty good but we bred our deer liver oh, okay. and we'll eat it the same day
0: mm-hmm. and just
1: fried up for the guy whoever's out yeah okay. um I have another question about processing your moose, and this is only because I've heard it on other um, podcasts. But when you guys, um, because your guys' season is a little bit earlier than ours, a few weeks earlier than ours, so are you guys dealing with a lot of bugs, or is it just the heat and stuff? Like when, like,
2: it's actually not too hot right now. Like we're thirty to fifty degrees um, during, like, high of fifty during (laughs) the day, but in summers especially if it's hot you deal with flies and so we just get the meat directly in the game bags and hang that you know somewhere where mm-hmm. it can get airflow all night and then it cools down in the evening and that's um we never had meat spoiled in that way
1: yeah i've just um yeah like i said i've kind of heard um uh, like you know how like a lot of people hang their meat to try to like you know tent not tenderize it but like yeah. age your meat yeah. right mm-hmm. but you get like do you guys have a different method of almost like freeze aging it like you like, or do you eat that moose the same year? Cause I've read stories and heard stories that you almost like leave your moose in your freezer for a year. So you'd be eating like your 2022 20, moose. You know what I mean? And then you get your I've next moose in that. it. No. And that's, yeah, I've heard that from a few people and they said it works really good. But um, No,
2: normally we cut ours up pretty fast just cause we didn't have a way to age it well. This year though, we got like a, a cool cooler system built and we used a cool bot. Air conditioner. And so it, I think it's like 36 degrees or something on average. Oh, yeah. And then we got these roller bars that go on the ceiling. And so we had like, it was with our neighbors. So it was like everyone in the community's moose was going in there. And we had like, you know, 15 quarters in there at a time.
1: Oh, wow. And
2: we aged my daughter's moose, the big one, for um, I think two weeks oh, before yeah. I set it up. And I just left the quarters hung like that. But it was inside, you know, so the flies couldn't get it. Right. And yeah, I was pretty impressed. It was very good. Yeah. Like, not a tough old bull. It was a very tender, really good-tasting, you know, mousse. And the burger yeah. was amazing, you know, when mm. I ground it up. So, I don't know. Yeah. We're trying a whole aging thing just for a week or two in that, you know, cooler system. And it's it.
1: <laughs> Yeah. I know, like, people that have done like long times like like till there's like mold on the on the edge like on the meat edge and they basically trim that off and it's and it's unbelievable like uh, you just trim off the hard meat and um, i can't handle
2: the mold part like i'm super sensitive i don't think i could either so i would just like i would cry if <laughs> i, I see
1: if, if i see a little piece of green on a block of cheese the whole block goes out a lot of people oh, it out, but i'm like yeah no, fuck that <laughs> mold,
0: see you later
2: yeah, mold is no joke i i got mold toxicity last year since you mentioned mold and it about killed me like it made oh, me shit. so sick and so i am like i'm the same way i'm like mold it's gone <laughs> goodbye. because <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you get that stuff in your system if you can't detox it it's bad it's bad
1: mm-hmm. so, yeah brendan do you got any more kind of questions before we start um wrapping this up?
0: yeah actually so uh, you can never be too dead is definitely going in the podcast description as <laughs> a direct quote. I think that's fantastic. Um, often I try and advocate for the, uh, the archery scene. I know that you uh, explained uh, a nice rifle to Sheldon for moose hunting. What are you shooting for a bow?
2: Uh, I asking? just switched it up this year. So I was shooting a bowtech Bote- bowtech realm. That's what I shot my moose with two years ago. Um, and Hoyt is now sending me a bow. I actually don't even know what it is because it's not here yet. Um, but they're going to set me up with a, a great men's bow. They sent me a, a women's eclipse, and I just wasn't a fan because I I like shooting men's bows. I don't really like shooting women's bows. They're small, and we get a lot of wind here, and they're light, and it's just really hard to hold steady and shoot well. So mm-hmm. I like heavier bows. So we'll see. It's, it's kind of a surprise. Whatever's going to come in the mail. <laughs> they're like, we got well, you covered. We'll just send you a really yeah. good one. I'm like, okay. Surprise. Sure.
0: <laughs> yep. But, uh, yeah. What, what sort and of broadhead broadheads
2: um for broadheads with moose especially we use fixed blade so mm. i shoot the g5 montex usually my Classic. husband does exodus broadheads um he's mm. out hunting for one right now with his bow nice we'll oh nice hold out <laughs> <laughs> he always throws That's the boat out the gun <laughs>
0: <laughs> if it's there if it's there april's yeah. had to, uh, april uh my wife she's another of the panoramic members and yeah she's had oh. that where arrow goes under and kind of stands there stunned and usually a rotten buck doesn't really care too much about an arrow and kind of looks at two orange people standing yeah. on the edge past the 270 and she goes wow well, yeah okay <laughs> bang, done yep. so it's exactly. definitely handy having it right next to you she's gonna hate me for saying she's ever missed but uh yeah she's
2: yeah, yeah, she's yeah it happens Yep. happens to the best of us right that's
0: right mm-hmm.
2: so, yeah we've had um guys just not get a lot of penetration with expandables on moose mm-hmm. i don't know if it's because their hide is so thick or the ribs or what yeah. but um mm-hmm. we just always go with fixed blade on moose and we've had really great luck with just even like the g5s or just the solid ones that, that um what are the other big ones that are heavy it starts with the t oh. i forget no mm-hmm. iron oil those are all of oh, yeah,
0: the I right they're a yeah. solid blade they don't have any sort of venting or, yeah, or,
2: ribs exactly. or anything
0: yeah they have the bleeders on the side but they're uh yeah solid blade which mm-hmm. are they're still fantastic broadheads i think but
2: i prefer those for moose because they just you have to go through a lot of hide and a lot of bone if you had a rib
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: you don't want it to snap or break and,
0: yeah um, the fives. a lot of people call them dependable broadheads they're they're pretty yeah. pretty special
2: they're solid yeah. they work mm-hmm. i don't know yeah, i don't know there is like a one, the best broadhead. I'm like, use what you want to use. <laughs> whatever know? makes yeah. you feel
0: confident pulling back. Yeah. If you're confident pulling back and then, then, yeah. Well,
2: actually-
1: Here's my thing. Here's my thing from what I've researched, read and heard from people is that for a fixed blade, I mean, that's your long haired species, like a, like a bear or a moose. Yep. I don't know if it's a hair that actually does anything, but when you're using the expandables or whatever they're called, yep. um, that, and, and in my opinion just like baseline is why would you put another why would you put something else that can go wrong into a setup like archery where there's already so many factors of something going oh, wrong? you know it like can totally fail yeah <laughs> exactly you know? so yeah um, like tried
2: and true that's why i carry a revolver i don't even want to send my auto what do you to go
0: wrong. wrong. <laughs> oh, dirty hairy oh, you guys
2: can't carry those in canada sorry
0: no we're not allowed not <laughs> we're we're getting eaten yeah. by something. Yeah, we're not
2: supposed to. We're not, so- we're not supposed to get into followers? politics. We told you that. <laughs> oh dang it! I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: yeah, maybe next episode. Um, but like, uh, yeah, like we don't want to take up all your time. And I'm just gonna kind of maybe end this or or kind of my my last thoughts here before I let Brendan maybe say his and yours. But, um, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been so much fun. And to be honest with you like i said getting into the moose talk has just made my night um and then not only that but like following you on instagram getting recommended to follow you on instagram etc you're obviously doing some really cool things in this world and uh just thank you for being you and uh, and being having a footprint on, on a whole bunch of people's lives that are following you so thank you for doing everything that you do
2: thank you so much i appreciate that
1: Brandon. any final words for
0: town no, i think i think you said it best just thank you so much for coming on and uh spending an hour with us here
2: Yeah, no, it was a great time. Thank you. I like talking moose hunting too. (laughs) You can tell. I could talk for hours.
1: Right on. (laughs) I think we all could. And and hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get you back on here in in some time. And we can talk about the bear hunts and uh, everything else. Maybe some mold. Who knows? Maybe some (laughs) mold. mold. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming on, Tana.
2: Yes. Thank you. Have a good night.
1: Episode one hundred and sixty with Tana, that was great, man. I'm I, I want to go moose hunting now.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: all the you moves, need to start moose hunting. You can never be too dead. <laughs> is it that's uh that's coming yeah. up on the podcast description? I'm even go on a T-shirt. I don't know. <laughs> that's, yeah, uh, no kidding Yeah,
2: it's yeah, that was
1: out. that was super interesting, and and the, that's why I love podcasting so much. Is because some sometimes and a lot of times, most of the times, you get podcast guest and you start talking about something you didn't you wouldn't realize that that episode was gonna go that way Mm -hmm. and when it does and it's like so fun like i'm just like that's why i love doing it Mm -hmm. Um, yeah the
0: uh the organic conversation that can come out of that is just the best like it's just a good chat it's not scripted it's not faked it's just there was a genuinely interested person in you know moose hunting and that's what this podcast really went the direction in and uh it was great it was really good talking
1: could you imagine though, going on a moose hunt and shooting three moose that are over 50 some inches?
0: Like those, those, those animals on our Instagram don't even make sense. Like to my eyes, so it's so just like, you see these prairie moose or these Northern kind of mossy skeg moose. And then you see the animals that Tana's shooting and you're just like, what? Like that, yeah. she has a caribou on there that just, it just defies everything in my brain.
1: Yeah. yeah. You'll hear something crazy though. Hmm. I will I will give you some information here. So, I'll and Bear Hunts, and we've worked with them before. Um, a, a, like my cousin owns the business, but anyways, he, their moose up there in far northern Manitoba, north of uh, Toronto, north of Thompson, um, they're getting some big moose up there. Like, I mean, sixty sixty plus inches. Which I mean, it's not unheard of in Manitoba, but they are, you mm-hmm. don't see them that often. But he was telling me that a lot of his clients that are getting them mounted, they actually have to order like the Yukon mold or whatever it's called, like okay. the Alaskan and Yukon mold, because they are actually like their bodies are huge up there, like massive. Yeah. Huh. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Um, but on the outro, you've also. I guess we have we sent you any uh merch lately out in BC or you or are we waiting till you come home?
0: No, I've got some merch, I got a couple hats here and stuff. No, but uh, you have you got the new pharaoh gear yet? Oh, no, 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 no. April has that, uh, you know, she's like a dragon on a gold pile with the uh, yeah. the merch and the house there, and uh, which is good. No, I'll get it, I'll get it as soon as I get back and it'll be uh, you know, yeah, yeah I'll be I'll be brandishing that.
1: <laughs> yeah but the ferro gear uh we just came out with it it's uh it's i don't know i think it's a cool little uh graphic it Black is fantastic yeah and uh that's found in our store and if you want to find any of our gear and support us that way you can go to www.panoramicoutdoors.com the other cool thing is that april has been working on some blaze orange stuff for this upcoming gun season so we're, we're gonna do maybe like a ferro that ferro uh logo on an on a blaze hat which oh, will look, look super deadly. Yeah. That'll look sick. Um, so look for that coming out in hopefully like three or four weeks. Um, and yeah, we got uh, another thing too. We did an episode with Barry Good. Are we getting a recipe from him for
0: the the website? Yeah, I believe yes. we're gonna do the uh uh the his duck gumbo recipe. Oh nice. i personally I've had it and it is fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, we're going to be trying to upgrade the website, update it, upgrade it, whatever you want to call it and keep adding recipes from there, from some of our guests and some of our Mm -hmm. followers or whoever you are. So if you do have something cool that you want to add to the panoramic page, please DM us. I mean, we're, we're building a sweet community and everyone's involved. So other than that, um, anybody that does follow us or on social media, or if you're not even on social media, uh, we appreciate you guys listening. And if you can go onto your, uh, Podcast, what are they called? Podcast apps or websites? Give us a rating, leave us a comment, all that uh gets more eyes on our on our
0: podcast, so helps us oh, grow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Five star asshole, just yeah. like last time. <laughs> you can <laughs> leave that rating. Actually, one of uh, yeah, somebody wanted to leave that rating, and they had told me that they tried, and uh, <laughs> I guess the the podcast thing wouldn't let them leave that as a rating. Oh, really? Yeah, calling huh. call me a five star asshole. I was, well, well, whatever. That means five star. It wasn't a detriment to us, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Before we get off though, here I uh, I have to call you out a bit on the Barry Good podcast.
1: Oh, what did I do now?
0: Well, he seemed to think uh, Minadoso was comparable <laughs> to Shelbyville <laughs> in the old. Uh, oh yeah, you're from that Yeah, so I I agreed with uh, Barry there, and uh, you know we had a talk with the council, and hell no, we applaud <laughs> <He paused> Shelbyville <laughs> all the way
1: yeah yeah it's uh it's a quite the rivalry it's not as bad as it used to be i remember when i was younger and my sister my sister was like five years older than me or so but i remember like her friends like Minadosa would come to Nepal, like boatloads are not boatloads but carloads of people and they had like little wars on halloween egging each mm-hmm. other and or neepa would go there the next year and it was like <laughs> And like I think neatwall guys would wear like blaze toques so that everyone knew that we're the neep like you were wearing egg and your own dudes, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Stuff like that. So if the rivalry now is just like us being better at hunting and hockey and stuff like that, we'll just <laughs> oh, take that. Yeah, forever. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you guys can have fishing, whatever. That's right. We do have a nicer co op though. <laughs> yeah sure
1: okay well let's um
0: let's uh let's take off for now and uh we'll meet you back here
1: all you listeners, we'll meet you back here in 10 14 days hell yeah